What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. GameStop, you heard of it. It's going to the moon. Mm-hmm. There's been some financial peddling. Where do you want to start? I've tried to research well on this, but I don't know what's most interesting. Well, I'd like to keep it. Like We, we want to get the baseline facts right. If we're not cutting edge with that, that's fine. And then I'd like to discuss... The psychology of it? The psychology, the meta perspective, the philosophy of what's happening. All right, I'll try to give... My impression at a 10,000 foot view, because I've seen some people get it wrong on YouTube, Mm -hmm. which is fair. They don't know finance. So there's this company, GameStop. There are people who think it's going to go bankrupt. It trades at $3 a share. They make a bet by shorting it that it's going to go to zero and they'll profit if that happens. The thing with shorting a stock is if the stock goes up enough, the people that you made the bet with will force you to buy it so that they know you have it. Because basically you can lose when you buy a stock. For $3, you can lose $3. It goes to zero. Mm-hmm. When you bet on a stock to go down, you can lose infinite money. Because it can go up. It can go up forever. Yeah, yeah. Someone on Reddit. First of all, there's this place called Wall Street Bets. I used to follow it. I actually had to stop because it gives you FOMO. It makes you see all these people that turn $1,000 into $100,000 because what they do on Wall Street Bets is make crazy leveraged bets with options. And just to, uh, for those of you who don't know, leverage means they take out debt in order to finance it. Yes. And options are the kind of bets that you're talking about, which have like uncapped upside and downside. Well, they the leverage is implicit in the option. So mm-hmm. basically, instead of just buying a share and saying, hey, I want to own 1% of Charisma on Command, and if it goes up a little, I'll make a little money. If it goes down a little, I'll make a little money. An option says... I want to buy Chris. I want to bet on Charisma on Command to double in value. And if it does, I'll make 10x. But if it only grows 50%, yeah. I lose all of the bet. Yeah, so yeah. it goes from an investment to a bet. Yeah. It's a very different instrument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, anywho, someone on Reddit on Wall Street Bets, which I just want to make clear, is not full of savants. And you'll <laughs> see people on there regularly that have lost all of their money. Mm-hmm. Uh, they call themselves degenerate gamblers. He says, I've seen that uh, GameStop has more people betting on it going short than there are actual stocks, which means if this were to go up, they would all be legally forced to buy a share of the stock, and there aren't enough shares of the stock 
to do that. So the so they would be scrambling to outbid each other to be because they're legally forced to buy the stock and this, the price will skyrocket. Yeah. It's called a short squeeze. So people start buying it from Wall Street bets because they think it's a good idea. Uh, they buy enough that the price goes up a little bit. This triggers the short squeeze. So then some people who are short want to cover their losses. So they start buying. Yeah. So then other people start buying. And so there's it's actually the frenzy that causes the price to go up isn't just, oh, all these Redditors think it's funny to buy GameStop. No, it's the same as it's, the run on the banks. It's all these Redditors caused yeah. this mechanical thing called a short squeeze where now they the people who bet against it have to buy. And if I don't do it right now or five minutes ago, I have to buy it at an even higher, higher price, price, which means I lose more We're money. each other yeah. up. So it goes crazy. It skyrockets. It's all over the news. It goes from $3 to $50 to $120 to $340. It went down to $250 last night. It's Thursday today for people we're recording. In a half hour Thursday morning, it went from $270 a share to $470 a share. And then they froze the stock, which is the most insane thing that I have they never heard of. They froze the stock? What does that mean? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's a good question. People... I'll talk about from the consumer's perspective. People that use Robinhood, Ameritrade, uh, TD, my Bank of America account, yeah. like even the big banks will not let you can, purchase. Can your dad's broker friend on the New York Stock Exchange still purchase There GMA? are shares available. If okay. you're a hedge fund. If you're a hedge fund. If you're a hedge fund, <laughs> you can buy GameStop. Okay. But I can't. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not using just Robinhood, the free app. Like I can't go through my broker mm -hmm. and buy a share. So Got it's it. not just the little guy who's getting, not that I'm a big guy, but like I don't use just the free app. And maybe you're saying, oh, the free app doesn't owe you anything. Yeah. I can't go through my bank mm -hmm. to buy a share. Of so they today. is it is a governmental entity or no, the no, no, not the government, private businesses. So this is where I get Who, the New York Stock Exchange, not the New York Stock Exchange. So so just so people I will rewind a little bit. When all of this went crazy, the people that made the bet that it would go down lost billions of dollars. Mm -hmm. There were hedge funds that were basically saying, we're going to explode because of this. We're going to go bankrupt because of this. It was being lauded as the first time in history where the little guys finally won a game against the big guys because finance and investing tends to be this rigged game where they use literally million dollar algorithms to just outrace you. Mm -hmm. Or they put tons of money behind things and they make bets that you don't even have access to. Or, they, they or I mean, you talked about Bill Ackman who will like talk yeah, and yeah. say like, oh my God, it's catastrophic. Everything's going down. Yes. And as it's going down, he'll buy what what he believes is yes. the bottom. Came in during COVID. And was he like, doesn't think it's the worst thing in the world. He wants you to think it's the worst thing in the world. So you sell your assets to him at a discount. Yeah, I'm trying to not get too deep into the finance weeds for people that aren't interested. But at a high level, the game has been rigged for the people that have money for a long time. And this was mm -hmm. the first major instance where the little guys were banding together to win. And these hedge funds, who, by the way, were trying to profit off of betting a company would go bankrupt, which is obviously bad for the company and bad for the employees of the company and all that. And once they make the bet, they do apply pressure to the extent they can to make the share price go down. So they don't just make the bet and walk away. They, they are trying to make sure they win. 
And they lost their shirts. And by the way, they're trying to basically bankrupt yes. GameStop, yes. which is a real company that has real implications, which may or may yeah. not have gone bankrupt in the and, absence of people. Listen, maybe it shouldn't exist in the long run <laughs> yeah. because things are going digital. But no, they are, they're trying to speed up the process, which Got has it. real world implications, yeah. which is why people were like, this is a great, this is a great thing that's happening because we're not bankrupting someone who bet that solar panel company would do well mm -hmm. and we're profiting because we're hurting solar energy. It's mm -hmm. like, no, screw you guys that we're trying to bet on the shutdown of a business that's trying to stay afloat as the world changes. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You don't deserve to get rich off this. We beat you at your own game. We understood the rules of a short squeeze. You got here because of your own greed because if they had just shorted, let's say there's 100 shares. Yeah, yeah. If they've just shorted 50 of them, then this wouldn't have happened. It it's because they shorted, I, depending on the numbers you look at, I couldn't find a good source, somewhere between 90% to 140% of the total shares. So yes, yeah, someone had a good idea to do this, but then you all hopped in and you got really greedy and you set yourself up with this vulnerability. Mm -hmm. We saw it and we took advantage of it. Give us your money is kind of how the Redditors feel. It's like we outsmarted you at your own rig <laughs> game. And so then they wake up and they realize, oh, this is even more rigged than we thought because now we only can sell which means that shares. this so skyrocketing price now you can't buy you can't push the price dude, up it's insane today yeah. this morning just people might not understand how insane this is it went from 270 to 470 in a half hour it was gonna go to the moon it yeah. was gonna go this thing should be worth ten dollars by the way just to be clear none of this has anything to do with gamestop becoming more yeah. valuable but because of the basically the the greedy system and there's a weird there's me, there's a meme stock psychology and my sister oh, texted you, me this you, morning was like buy gme and i was like whoa yeah, sell yeah, no, sell no, no, sell no, yeah. <laughs> no, elon musk tweeted about it it's great it's funny and and ultimately it's harmless unless you think that a hedge fund manager who made a bet and got it wrong deserves your sympathy which to I, me, this well, is just it's someone, not just a hedge fund manager there's he, there's people with money in the hedge fund and they might not be evil people like I, I wouldn't say harmless i would say it harms very wealthy people it's the game they set up yeah yeah this is like me going into a roulette wheel putting something on green having it come up red green just so people know is is the most unlikely one and then being upset and mm -hmm. trying to shut down the casino before they take my money yeah uh so it's fascinating i talked to a bunch of friends of mine who work at hedge funds or work in finance. And I got different angles that I'll, I'll share as we go through. But that's that's what happened at a high level. And today, like I said, it was it was skyrocketing to the moon and then people lost the ability to buy it. So now you can either hold, which keeps the price flat or sell. But then now there's the same pressure that there was on the way up, which is, oh, shit. Now people get scared. Mm hmm which is going to push the price down, because as soon as somebody sells, the price dips and somebody else sees that it's then, going down. So then the question is, what made these people stop letting people buy? Because mm -hmm. I will tell you the, the message that you're going to get from Bank of America or Robinhood is we're trying to protect you. From volatility. Because, because the share is only worth $10. We yeah, all yeah. know it. And to be fair, if you buy it 1000 and you don't get out at 1500 yeah. it will go to three and you'll lose all your money. Yeah, yeah. I can go on these same places that won't let me buy GameStop. And I can make a bet that by the end of the day, Tesla will double. Yeah. And I can do it by buying options. Yeah, yeah. And if I lose, I will lose 100% of the money I bet. And they will let me bet all of my money. So it seems hard to believe for me that they want to protect that you. they want to protect. Because at first I was like, maybe this is a good shutdown. People are going to lose their shirts. And I fully see that. 
But I also think that's the name of the game with stock investing. If you want to buy GameStop at $400, which is insane to me, you should be allowed to. And yeah, you Robinhood, you don't care if I lose my money. You'll let me lose all of my money right now as long as it's on a different ticker than GameStop. Mm -hmm. Like today, I can go buy options in Robinhood that are insane. And so I go, okay, doesn't seem like you're set up to protect me from losing all my money in other avenues. Well, which hedge fund got in there? Which guy made some phone calls and said... So, well, they don't know, but I'll tell you... And said, if you don't shut this... Or if you do shut this down, I'll give you a billion (laughs) dollars. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because, like, I haven't... I haven't... uh, I've been doubling down because you were explaining to me. I don't totally get the mechanics. But when there's a margin call and you are asked to put up more collateral, right, for, Mm -hmm. for the bet that you made, you can either leave the position that you have and take your losses or you can like keep putting in money and say mm-hmm. no let it go so it's it's I, i'm speculating uh intensely here possible that somebody has been doubling down knowing that they would rig the game at the end it, you know they put all their collateral in and then they'll just watch a creator and not lose as much money as so i'll tell you what I, so this is now now by the way not only am i not a financial advisor but um this <laughs> is from a friend i didn't talk to anyone at citadel yeah. but my friend is a hedge fund guy and he said, Citadel is around 50% of Robinhood's revenue, and they're getting absolutely fucked by this. So they put the screws to Robinhood, knowing that if they allowed people to sell and not buy, that the stocks would crater and Citadel could cover their shorts. That's just one guy. I'm just conveying the message. I do know he has, he's as well-connected as you could get in the hedge fund world, but he doesn't work at Citadel. Yeah. So call it speculation, a hypothesis, Dang, whatever man. you want to call it. But that, so this is... I think one interesting bit of psychology that people forget sometimes, myself included, if something is free, you're not the customer, you're the product. Mm-hmm. So Instagram is free, except you have to deal with the ads. Robinhood is free. You get to go on with no fees and buy and sell shares. So how do they make their money? Mm-hmm. I don't know because I don't know Robinhood well. Maybe they advertise. Is to Robinhood you. free? I thought Robinhood, mm-hmm. took a, they don't take commission. No, they don't take. Now, maybe what they do is they say, how much do you want to buy this share for? $25. Okay, I'm only going to buy it for you for $25 and one cent. We could figure this out with a Google. Yeah. If the market won't do it, then I just tell you it's not available. Yeah. So I skim off the top, maybe. I'm hearing that it's very likely that what they do is they run their trades through companies like Citadel that basically they do that for free for Robinhood in exchange for the information so they can front run retail traders. It's just very useful to know what all the retail traders are buying and selling. God, man. So this is OK. So I'm hearing it and I don't want to I don't want to overreact because a lot of this is tentatively understood, might be wrong. Mm-hmm. But yeah. OK, so it's it's cliched. The game is completely rigged. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can win. As long as you don't screw the house, which is the yep. same as a casino. Yep. Like you can take up a bunch of money, but if you start counting cards and beating the house, oh, dude, if you go into that's po- cheating. If you go to a poker <laughs> table and you sit down and you rip off a client. No, if you, and you yeah. give the and you give the house one percent because that's how it works. Fine. If a drunk eighteen-year-old uh, son of a sultan comes in and yep. loses a billion dollars, they don't care. Mm-hmm. But if you start counting cards, you are house. gone. You can never come back. So I'm yep. seeing that same dynamic at play. And it's the it's the complete unprincipled application of rules. And God, we're seeing the same thing everywhere in society for your safety. You know, yeah. like so much is being done in the name of our safety these days. It is absolutely incredible. Yeah. And it, I don't just because I'm on YouTube, I'm reminded of 
like the un, the uneven application of rules. Uh, you know, the 2016 election versus the 2020 election where YouTube comes in for 2020 and says, you cannot say that this election was unfair yeah, yeah. based on uh, interference. And it's like, wait a second. I'm pretty sure we've been doing that for the last four years. I'm fine with this as a rule if you want to make this the rule. But let's make it the rule such that nobody can do this. And yeah. it's the same dynamic that's going on here. Every so I mean, I woke up today. I'd been covering this GameStop stuff anyway, thinking about maybe making a video for Chris One Command. I woke up today and saw that the trading had been shut down. And I sent out texts to like five people that I know in the investment world just to try to understand what are the people who do this professionally who yeah. are smarter than me think is going on. I don't want to get my information just from mainstream MSNBC, media that yeah. doesn't understand what's happening. And every single one said this is super fucked up and probably something illegal is happening. Yeah. And that's from people who have been in the industry. Well, for the SEC years. is investigating Wall Street bets right now. Yeah. Like, I hope well, they decide to look at Citadel. You know, you know what this reminds me of, though? It reminds me of Scientology. So I don't know a lot about Scientology. I've never been a Scientologist. This is just from a movie, right? Going, Going clear. clear. Maybe that movie is completely a hoax. I say all this so that the Scientologists don't <laughs> burn my house down. But according to the Going Clear there was going to be a massive financial penalty if Scientology was viewed not as a church, but as a regular organization that had to pay taxes. They were going to get taxed. Yeah. Yes. And so they were in a battle with the IRS. And they said, you know what? Here's how much we're going to have to pay taxes if we lose this. Guess what our budget is to not pay taxes? Yeah. All of this. So we will send private investigators to go through your garbage. We will do everything legal to harass you. We will spend money on the best lawyers in the world so that you have to keep flying from your home yep. across the country. Just make it such a hassle and burn through 5% of that. Whatever our tax burden is, is is and how much money we can they spend. Won. They became a church yeah, because yeah. they were just, they said, dude, do you want, how about this? Someone's just going to follow your kids around yeah. with a camera. Totally legal. You want that? Guess how long it's going to last mm -hmm. till we're not a, mm -hmm. or till mm -hmm. we're a church. Mm -hmm. And I think what happened is Citadel went, if we lose this is by the way i think i'm not saying if we lose this bet we will lose 15 billion dollars let's say we've got 15 billion dollars to invest in not losing this bet yeah if i lose a lawsuit for five billion dollars that's a 10 billion dollar win yeah. if i convince robin hood to do this and then we go down in six months when the, this is not news and no one cares and pay the biggest settlement a hedge funds ever paid and we class action to all gme shareholders five billion dollars mm -hmm. that was so much better than letting the stock go to a thousand if i tell robin hood that I will buy their whatever, say it's valued at two, two, two billion. I'll buy it for $10 billion in six months. <laughs> I sign a secret cool. contract and their owners and all the employees make out like bandits. That's, yeah, there's a hundred ways. I'm just saying there's a hundred ways that you can spend money and make problems like this go away because- Here's what I would guess happened. Hey, Robin Hood, if we go bankrupt, you're going to lose half your revenue mm -hmm. because we won't exist and we're half your revenue. So just do with that what you will. Mm -hmm. And the Robin Hood went, oh, shit. And then they went and did whatever else. And then I think the math is Robin Hood has to do it to keep the revenue. Citadel's willing to lose a class action lawsuit because it won't be for the full amount of money. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's it's better for them to do something slightly illegal. Yeah. Than for them to let this play out. Well, what I'm I'm trying to figure out how to how does one deal with this? And it's like, well, one one argument is going to be, well, this isn't the free market. We need a really free market. Mm -hmm. Like the problem is that we need freer markets, less regulation, less everything. Dude, you know what my one of my buddies is doing? He's got multiple millions of dollars from selling a business and he is 
just out of stocks now. He said, this is this is a game that I didn't realize was so rigged against me. I don't want to play with these. I'm going to do cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. which I think is less uh, regulated right now and less, I guess, cheating happens. And I'm going to do private stuff. I'm going to go to, uh, you own a coffee shop, I want to own 10%. You own real estate, I want to own a I'm little gonna, bit. I'm not going to play on the strip. I'm not yeah. going to play. <laughs> he basically said, he's like, this is this is a casino I'm out of. And he's, he's legitimately pulling out seven figures of ETFs and stocks and all mm-hmm. that. Just going, I'm going to take my ball and go home because mm-hmm. I don't like this game anymore. Yeah. Well, I, so that's I've heard, you know, this is a problem. These aren't free markets. We need free markets. I, I guess I'm leaning towards and I'm open to change on this. The idea that when you have such colossal power, mm-hmm. Scientology, billion dollar hedge funds and people are people, they will take exactly the amount of money that they would have lost from playing by the rules mm-hmm. and pay to escape the rules. And the only thing that can possibly prevent that is another powerful entity. Mm-hmm. So I go, I like, we need a, I don't know if it's bigger or more powerful Dude, government answerable to talk, people. You want to talk about government? I'm so glad you, t- you brought up government. So here's another text. This I'm just outsourcing from smarter yeah, friends yeah. than me. Here's another text I got from a friend because I said, why is this happening, right? So one... Uh, GameStop short-selling firm Citadel paid Biden's Treasury of Secretary millions of dollars mm-hmm. over the course of her career to do various things. There's a guy named Robert Rubin during the Clinton yeah. administration. He's been around forever. Rubin oversaw the loosening of financial industry underwriting guidelines, which had been in place since the 1930s. Post-government, he went to Citigroup, and then he went to... Oh, no, sorry. He got $126 million in cash and stock during his time at Citigroup. So, yeah, he wrote the laws for a few years. Then he switched over to the yeah, yeah. finance industry. There's this revolving door of generals. And there's a sense that... So, dude, the same thing happens, by the way. I worked in at, at a contractor, and it's you need to win budget spending allocation from mm-hmm. various firms, right? And then when these generals retire, where do they go work? They become the most senior person at the consulting firm that they've been giving business yeah, yeah. to, which is like, if this isn't a quid pro quo, well, and if there's not an understanding here... This is ridiculous. So picture this. You're Robert. I'm not saying, again, this is just a hypothetical. I'm not saying this happened. You're Robert Rubin. You're in charge of writing the laws for what financial financial companies can and can't do. You make 100 grand a year, 200 grand a year, 80 grand a year. I don't know what you make. You can do that and not help the financial industry at all while you're doing your job. And at the end of it, go live off your 401k. Yeah. Or you can cut a couple of favors here and there. Oh, this is pretty harmless. What's the difference if they get to have a little bit more leverage? Or what's the difference if they get to have certain derivatives? And I'm sure that- And get $126 million job afterwards from the people you grew close to while you were making the laws for them. And I don't think, I think this is important because we talk a lot about self-deception in the prior podcast. These are not conspiratorial acts, I would bet, in most cases. This is people- Uh, making the same types of decisions we all make for our friends, family, and close colleagues, which is, oh, no, don't worry. Like, give you the friends and family rate. You know, like, we, like, just changing the rules. So we do this in investment banking. You're, oh, let's get a client. Okay, well, we want to pitch P&G. What should we do? Let's take them to get courtside seats Mm -hmm. at a New York Knicks game. Well, they're just doing this at, a hundred times that level, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But every sales guy does that. You take the guy golfing, yeah. you get him, go get him some drinks so that he likes you more. We have this weird, and I don't think wrong at the low level, uh, idea that it's okay to butter someone up with gifts and money and drinks. Well, and- I guess I, I would question that because if it's not wrong at the low level, what, what makes it wrong at a 
higher level. Now, obviously, there's more. The scale of people impacted yeah. is the same, but like the low level isn't necessarily making the rules. They don't get to write the laws. I so, think that might be. So you're difference. saying with with regards to government? Yeah. But here's the thing: private businesses say that the government didn't oh, get mind. involved. If Bezos, sorry, if Bezos wants to take Mark Zuckerberg out for a hundred million dollar weekend vacation, I don't mind that. Well, this is exactly what happened with Robin Hood and Citadel, which is, oh, you know, we're we're close, we're buddies. Private industries affect regular citizens just like governments do. Oh yeah, and so when there's corruption, I think Robin broke the law. So I, could, that, I could be wrong, but I don't think you're. Uh, allowed to do allowed that. Allowed to just block people from buying so, shares. So then the question is, and again, I, I get that that's a legal thing, but yeah. is there a really strong moral distinction between two massive companies like Procter and Gamble and some investment? Oh, everyone bank? would do this. No, I don't think that. I don't think that people that run Robinhood are less ethical than exactly. Exactly. So we have we have legal protections against it in the financial industry, which they may or may not have broken, and maybe they skirted it. You know, maybe they went around it. I guess what I'm saying is that this is very human behavior that we all do at our low level and the people who are negatively impacted by our uh giving our nephew the job that he doesn't really freaking oh, yeah. deserve is just some kid out of college who's worked harder and is better than your nephew at that job 90 percent like, of people if i told them hey you can help Je gamestop go bankrupt <laughs> it's gonna go bankrupt anyway probably mm -hmm. it's an aging thing look at it yeah storefronts between amazon oh come on this is getting dude, out playstation coronavirus Listen, yeah we're all we're going to do is instead of making it go bankrupt in 2025, it'll go bankrupt in 2021. Mm -hmm. And you're going to make $50 million personally. And all these people need to get jobs anyway in 2025. 90% <laughs> might be an underestimate for how many oh, people would go, oh, yeah, for $50 million, I'll do that. So I'm well, not even necessarily saying so look at those the interest. people are bad. I'm saying given the incentives, you get a bad action, which is shorting, which was actually one of my questions. And I texted some people. I, did, I know the fluff that a hedge fund would say. I about shorting and why we need it in oh, the market we need it yeah. for liquidity and yeah. for, for, for rational markets. But no one could give me a good answer for why I think shorting a stock should be illegal. I guess I'll just throw out my hot take. Mm -hmm. I know there are counter arguments. I find them uncompelling from what I've heard. Mm -hmm. It seems unnecessary because you just have buyers and sellers that will like the price of the stock will go down because people want to sell because they don't think that what they're holding is valuable. Yeah. You don't need more external pressure to bankrupt GameStop. GameStop mm -hmm. will go bankrupt when people stop buying video games and they can't raise money in the public markets because people don't have faith in them. They stop paying and then dividends. they can't pay their debt. Yeah. It'll happen. We don't need Melvin Capital to make a huge bet against it and then put external pressure, mm -hmm. in my opinion. So, so you think speculative trading, which is to say a lot of these options. No, should... no, buy options. So uh, here's the other thing. Options are a secondary market. Mm -hmm. Option If Justin wants to go make a bet with uh, his friend that Chris Mon Command will go bankrupt in five years, it doesn't affect us. So they feel free to make that bet. That's an option. An option is a bet that occurs outside of the, the stock. Now, there's some interplay because at the end of it, they have to buy or sell the stock. Mm -hmm. But short naked short, short selling is just uh, on the stock itself. It's not through puts. Okay, so I don't totally understand a lot of that. But what I do take from it that has been disappointing to me, not just in the stock market, but with uh, the volatility since coronavirus and before and with Bitcoin for the last several years is the amount of people uh, looking to get rich by contributing nothing. Well, this so this is what I wanted to say about the psychology of the GM run up because these people aren't saving GameStop. Now, one thing is GameStop might be able to issue shares at this inflated price and therefore raise some capital for themselves. Yeah, but no, who's going to do that? 
it's going to go back down. I mean, I'm yeah, going to yeah. get I'm going to get lambasted by the G the, the GameStop fanatics, but this is going to be maybe it was at three dollars and it'll fall to ten. No, the underlying it, value of the company hasn't changed. Yeah, it's not going to stay. It's not going to go to a thousand and then yeah. stay there like this is a short squeeze. It's gaming the system. It's outsmarting the hedge funds. It's the masses beating the rich. All those storylines can be true, but it's not the hundred Xing of GameStop's value from three dollars to three hundred because they released the digital streaming sustainably thing. by helping yeah, yeah. the business. Yeah. So yeah, I mean all the people who are trying to profit on the run up are trying to profit by screwing the hedge funds. It's a, or but it's they're a, not trying to your profit. point is that it's a zero sum game. Yes. That the money is coming from another person. Value hasn't been created. Yeah, people and like it because they think that it's cool that Citadel and Melvin Capital have to pay out to the mass of people from Reddit. But it is just a redistribution of wealth without creating anything. It's mm -hmm. not like someone went in. There's this guy, Ryan Cohen. He's going into GameStop and trying to make the company better. He bought 9% yeah. of the company. He sits on the board. That's a guy who's trying to help GameStop survive this decade by pivoting to digital and doing all these things. That's not 99% of the people who are trying to get rich on this. They're just trying to get rich because they think that we all like thinking we're smarter than everyone else. And so this is an opportunity to think you're smarter than everyone and can get rich quick without any work. And I think it's going to hurt people who bought in the hundreds when it goes back to the tent faster than they've ever seen. Yeah. And yeah, someone the, the, there is an every man who will get rich. There's someone who bought in in November and made 50. But also to, to, but. it's that's something that that guy is going to feel. I think like everyone would tell. Well, a lot. Maybe they wouldn't. A lot of people might not share that they won the lottery because one, they're afraid of uh, jealousy. But it's also something that you're not proud of. Mm -hmm. You 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 understand at some level that you didn't do it. But people are proud of their stock picks in a mm -hmm. way that is unjustified if they look at their track record. You know, oh my god, I got they 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 make ten bets. They get six of them right. They think that they're Warren Buffett. Well, it's that's kind of like... what I've been telling people because I, I have a lot of people who are talking about Wall Street bets now, and I've been following them on and off for years. And I just did any of you read the 10K? Like if you're not the guy that found that 85 to 140 percent of, of yeah. it was in shorts, then His, you uh, do not belong. You just heard a bunch of rumors yes. and threw your money behind a ticker that you don't understand. Yes. And you're not smart. And even if you got like I, I feel this when I I uh, bought some Bitcoin six months ago and we look at the price, I go, I knew that. <laughs> and it's just like the fuck did I know? Like yeah. I knew what a bunch of people said. I couldn't describe the first thing about cryptocurrency and how it works and why it's secure. If it's secure, I don't know anything. I know what I've heard people say that I get confirmation bias when it does well. And I go, oh, that that must have been some sort of knowledge that I had gleaned yeah. in my overhearing of people talking about it. But I guess generally, I'm just uh, Elon Musk is so he like broke my mind when he tried to make something new in the world. Hmm. It was the first time that somebody had tried to make a real new innovative technology that, and and I'm excluding purposefully ones that I like, like social media companies, et cetera, that are all these digitized forms of information, and we are as well. But he would try to make a real thing <laughs> that that powers all of your shit and, mm -hmm. and drives you places <laughs> and does it better, cheaper, faster, and he's building a tunnel underneath a city. Like, there's so little of that in you know, the world. Yeah, it's interesting. One of the very first mindset shifts that often you have to teach a new entrepreneur is they come in with their idea because it's something they want or because they think it'll make them rich. 
And the, the shift to don't focus on how to make yourself money, focus on how to build something people want. Mm-hmm. Almost no one comes in with that mindset. And, Almost no entrepreneur comes in with that mindset. And they don't grasp it. I mean, I still, like, after weeks and weeks of working with someone, they'll still come to you with money-making ideas. Mm-hmm. They'll come to you with ideas, oh, look at this, uh, this algorithm, the the search algorithm uh, is prioritizing what you have in the meta description. So if we just pump our meta descriptions full of this, it's and you go, is this a better website? Does yeah, this have yeah. a product that people want more? This might last for two months, three months, but, like, you you have to make shit that works yeah. that helps and if you're constantly trying to just find these this is what everything is it's shortcuts and and uh bullshit that doesn't help people and it's funny the biggest breakthroughs that we've had in our business were when we sat down we're like how good is our course could we make it better mm-hmm. and the question that we actually got asked which was a very valuable one the one valuable question our business coach had asked us was who would you love to check out your program we were like tim ferris it's like, okay, if Tim Ferriss took your program today, would he recommend it to everyone? We're like, it's kind of like low level for Tim, honestly. And so we went back and we reshot it. I was like, look, I did my best that if Tim Ferriss ever takes Charisma University, yeah. he's going to like it and he's going to recommend it to other people. No, we read, it took months. We redid the entire yeah. thing, reshot it, re-edited it. And at first you think, oh, that's a bad business decision by people who just aren't focused on the money. Mm-hmm. But what you don't realize is, now you have something like really good and you can promote it and have conviction and people will recommend it to their friends. And there is all this down down the line good stuff that happens when you focus on that. But and we need to be more focused on it. Everybody does. It's so easy to get caught up in um, marketing, you know, the yeah, words yeah. around what you're doing. And, and I guess even marketing has the potential to convince someone to buy a useful product. But no, no, all I this did. financial shit, it just... My whole life I've had this sense and it's been uh, separate from, yours is closer too, but that it was a gamble. Nobody knows what's going to happen in the future. There's a handful of brilliant moves like catching a short squeeze or mm-hmm. um, taking a deep look at the, the various tranches of debt prior to the, the housing crisis. There's a handful of those that are occurring. Mm-hmm. But most of them are just like, if you look at people's track records, it's a bunch of people uh, going off hunches. And then at the end of their career, once a hundred thousand traders have made a bets, one of them got most of them, right. And, mm-hmm. and that person is called a genius, but really in any group of people making bets, you would expect one of them to hey, get monkeys with darts. Yeah. One of them is going to hit the bullseye a bunch of times. And one of them is not, and he's going to get fired in his third year. Mm-hmm. So I, it's just a shame. Like the, you went to, uh, you went to Wharton, mm-hmm. like your friends are the, some of the smartest people and they all went into this this world of finance instead yeah, it of doesn't, it doesn't it just doesn't add value in the way that but they're rich medical men. they're rich as they're, they're the richest people you know that are your age right yes, yes but I'm just thinking if you if you took all their minds and put them towards medical innovation you just would have a better world you know what I mean if oh, you had much different better. incentive structures yeah, yeah. these are, these guys are brilliant but. They, I mean, I don't even think they they were chasing money, but they were mostly chasing prestige. I and think. yeah, and I and I mean, I know them. They're gonna be if they aren't already these guys. Like one of them is gonna work at the next Citadel very very soon. And uh, I didn't find any of them, and I don't think you did. The ones that I'm thinking of, especially unethical, mm-hmm. especially anything like. Well, I will say in my, just my experience, Citadel did have a reputation okay. <laughs> on the street, such that uh, a lot of people I know avoided them. Okay even though they paid better 
than other jobs. Like there's two firms, Citadel and then Steve Cohen's, where the people I knew at least would take haircuts to not work there. Interesting. So, so okay. So there's a variety. Just my that. thing. I'm sure there's good people at work there. This isn't meant to blast them at all, but that's that was my experience in 2011 when my friends were recruiting for hedge funds. Was those those were the two that were avoided by most of the people I knew. Got it. Yeah, I don't have the answer. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's more free markets or more uh, government intervention or a, a government intervention to ensure that the markets are more free and this shit doesn't happen where you can't. Yeah. I don't know. But I, what I would love to see is the underlying philosophy of trying to encourage and incentivize people to create value yeah. as opposed to win zero sum games. Well, the system is more there now than it was before. Like my the richest person I know from school is probably the guy that started hymns. Mm -hmm. all these people were going into finance and this guy from my fraternity started a company that blew up and went public recently and he's mm -hmm. he is wealthier by far I think, yeah, yeah. than everyone else and i think elon musk is the richest man in the world and he's trying to solve global warming and he's trying to solve space travel i do i actually do think there's been a pivot since the early 2000s where the prestige and the money is starting to go towards startups and maybe mm -hmm. not the right startups, you know, maybe that TikTok and Snapchat are still getting. Well, it's interesting because as I think about this and I, I, I'm actually not trying to moralize too much here. If you you mentioned customers versus product, mm -hmm. and if you look at the the customer of Tesla or something and they're building the self-driving car, the customer is a person who now can sleep on their way to anywhere, mm -hmm. you know, and, and they have battery powered things. So the customer is everybody who wants a battery and perhaps isn't putting greenhouse pollutants into the atmosphere. I don't know a ton about global warming, but let's say that that's a good thing versus Facebook where the customer is, and this isn't all evil, advertisers trying to convince you to buy more stuff, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And it's like, yes, we need, uh, I'm not anti-advertising generally, but the effect that Facebook has on the world is more people that think they need to buy more things in order to feel happy. Yes. And the effect that Tesla has is people can now travel places over larger periods of dis over larger distances while sleeping and hopefully while having less of a negative impact on planet Earth. Correct. The one thing about Facebook, because I know they get demonized a lot, there's Facebook, the company, the website, Facebook.com, and there's Facebook, the organization. Facebook is trying to pioneer VR and crypto. So there's actually a chance that in 50 years, what Mark Zuckerberg's legacy is, is not that he made a social media yeah. place that people could spread misinformation sure. about politics. It's that he did that and then used all the money to create the matrix. What do you, so I actually yeah. think that we don't know. A good matrix. <laughs> we don't know. Dude, I think the matrix was a good matrix. Do you want, do you want to talk about it? No, we nuked to. the sun, dude. The humans were the bad guys. The matrix was good. No, but so I think, I think that there's, I put a big TBD on Facebook's legacy, to be honest. I think their first thing was creating a social media website. And, and that's- Elon's was PayPal, which wasn't a bad thing, but- yeah, fake, call it neutral, whatever. You know, it's being used to spread misinformation. It's being used to get in touch with old friends. It's whatever. It's not necessarily the cure to cancer. Mm -hmm. But if he takes all his money and creates the greatest VR system that the world has and it fundamentally changes what reality is, mm -hmm. then that's the legacy of Facebook. And yeah. all the first part was just the fundraising part. Well, Tremoth, I can't say his last name, Palahapita, you got to look it up. I don't know it. Tremoth P., who was a, a billionaire tech investor mm -hmm. and does, I think, what's this called? Social capital is his thing. Mm -hmm. He had he had a similar realization where he was uh, a hedge fund guy, making a lot of money, realized he could manipulate markets, felt high off it, and was like, what the hell am I doing? And started investing more in uh, causes. I wonder if that's 
because we talk about long-term versus short-term, it, it is an interesting meta bet to go, I'm going with the little money that you're investing or that I'm investing or that anyone out there is investing and go, I am only going to pick companies that I believe add value to the world in a way that I like. Not just like, like maybe you like Facebook, maybe you don't like Facebook. Uh, you could be wrong, but if you're right, you like you bet not only, you know, you're not only winning the bet, but you're getting a better world. <laughs> so you're not hedging your bets necessarily, but it's kind of like that's the world that you want to live in where uh, those are the companies that are well-funded, that people are trying to see. You set an example. I wonder if that has second and third order effects that to me would make any sort of decrease in return worthwhile. Well, that's what's happening in the in the meme stock economy. For people who don't know, Tesla trades at an insane valuation mm -hmm. now. I think people are starting to... I think individuals are starting to buy individual name stocks instead of ETFs or mutual funds. Mm -hmm. And I think they're buying them because they like them. Because no one is buying Tesla because they think some people that are. Its valuation as a multiple makes sense. So our uh, COO is, he thinks that makes sense. He thinks that, that they are fundamentally in like what Chamath says, an energy a distributed yeah. energy company. And He's they, a meme lord. <laughs> He's a meme stock buyer. <laughs> well, anyway, we don't need to go too deep in, into it. But uh, I had one other. That they're going to power the world is his belief. That they're going to disrupt not just the car industry, but the Exxon Mobiles, uh, yeah. all of that stuff. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, we'll see. Uh, one other thing, because we talked about government and we talked about how these finance things are illegal and the government has to step in. Remember when the government, there weren't there several Congress people that insider traded after getting a first look at COVID? I vaguely remember this. Yeah, I never heard anything else about it. They were investigated <laughs> for a while, no penalty. I'm not so sure the government is the squeaky clean. Well, they're not. That cannot, they can't defend us, I guess, from this is what I'm saying. They don't, they're not the people to take on the finance industry. Well, because they're, they're, they get a lot of funding from them. Campaign donations come from the hedge fund billionaires. Absolutely. And they themselves apparently will insider trade when given the opportunity. It seems like foundational to uh, a functional large-scale society are two things. Systems with proper incentive structures, which can mm -hmm. be very complex because you've got, okay, we need a government to regulate. Well, it's like, what if I just paid the head of the government regulation a ton of money and then he regulates in my favor? So that's a problem. Um, and I don't know that it's... And it's not ever as obvious as you think the solution is because somebody thought, oh, we'll have the government oversee these and there'll be two separate bodies. And they said, no, the we'll SEC. just pay them. And you said, oh, we won't let them give money. And they said, I'll take them golfing. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like there's there's always a way, so, which is why the second thing is culture. Yeah. And it's the fact that both the person within the government who's, you know, who has a system and maybe needs more money as a base salary. But even then, you pay someone a million, plenty of people are going to be tempted by 10 million. Mm -hmm is a culture of uh, honesty and service and value creation, which is not as widespread as I'd like it to be, mm -hmm. I guess, in America. I think it's bigger and more than in some other places in the world, but it is still, there's, I feel like right now, culturally in America, we're more interested in dividing the pie that we currently have than in creating a bigger pie. Okay. Like there's a lot of talk no, of that's, that's, equity and evenness and fairness and and how is the, I'm, I'm in YouTube, so I know, is the YouTube algorithm favoring creators of different backgrounds as opposed to just like, can we all make better shit? <laughs> that, well, that's, so the thing is we have this, this counter movement because I think for a while in the US, wealth was lauded. 
no matter how you made it. And then we have this counter movement, which is fuck the billionaires. You know, we're the socialist progressive revolution. But that movement hates wealth agnostic of how it was created. Doesn't mm -hmm. really seem to take into account Elon's wealth was created by making a bunch of amazing innovation for the world. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have the solution is let's take from them and redistribute. But it doesn't have a solution for, to your point, how to grow the pie, innovate, make the world a better place. It's, it seems like it's more just about taking down people that they hate. There's so I, I think that counter movement isn't the counter movement I'd like to see. Well, that's what's happening with GameStop that we've been saying is there's this all of this mental energy going into screwing somebody who maybe or maybe doesn't deserve it. You know, the, the hedge fund guys, which is now this amorphous class of people. That guy might be. Who knows? But it's totally possible. This guy takes all of his money and donates it to local charity. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not betting on it, but we don't know with this particular guy. I uh, bet he does not. I bet he doesn't, <laughs> but it's possible. Mm -hmm. Point is, nobody knows who he is. He just represents an idea. Yeah. He represents the Dark Knight Rises 1% that we need to, to get back at. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how to... I, I guess another piece of the, the puzzle that is missing that I feel uh, semi-locked in on, but I, I see the temptation is... The idea that what is enough, like capitalism is an ever-growing system. It's never satiated, but it's not actually the system that's like that. It's the people within the system <laughs> yeah, yeah. that are like that, um, that, that can never have enough. And yeah, I wonder for my own life, I've talked about this of like, if there's an amount of money that, sh that I should say that is uh, within striking range and maybe I'm past striking range that I go no more. I'm not going to save any more. Literally every dollar above this amount gets distributed to other people, not because I'm generous, but because I care about my happiness. And if I allow this infectious more, more, more thing yeah, yeah. to get me, it's just going to eat me alive. Can I add a small addendum? Yeah. Maybe set it as an amount you're allowed to save each year. An amount. So, so but it's can, still growing. So is what you you're can saying. earn as much as you want. Because you know it, the more you oh, earn, yeah, yeah. sorry, the more you earn, the more will go to good charities and stuff. And then just say, okay, I'm going to save whatever it is. Every year, that's the amount I'm allowed to save, 25 grand, right? So 25 grand a year I'll put into the bank. And then anything above that has to go to charity mm -hmm. rather than capping the amount of money that you have. Yeah, and you can set it. You can match inflation. You can do mm -hmm. other things. You can, you can take special account for um, if you have a kid or something like that, that amount can, can fluctuate. But now this is something I've thought oh, I'm about just saying for you. That would be my only I would say just, you know, every year your bank accounts allowed to grow by this amount and mm -hmm. then every dollar above it. You can donate away. Yeah. And I guess I, I, it's truly you don't selfish. Like the growing part. You don't like the growing of savings. It's not that part. I don't like it. It's that I do like it. It's that I sense this part of me that is the greedy hedge fund manager mm -hmm. that is never fucking satisfied. And I see it because the amount of money that I have in my bank is much more than it was three or four years ago. And three or four years ago, I swear to God, I felt more financially secure than I do this year. Mm -hmm. Partially, it's because of everything that's been happening with uh, the election and the government and you know the dollar versus Bitcoin. And is this, can I even store wealth anymore? Yeah, yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
But there was a time where I didn't even worry about storing wealth because I had none and I was certain of it. <laughs> and it was like, uh, it wasn't so bad. Sure. Um, so I don't, maybe I need to practice stoicism or practice poverty or, or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I, do you feel that way? I feel less financially secure now than I did when I had almost, when I had no savings, literally no savings. When I was sleeping in the maid's quarters, renting out my bedroom, I felt pretty fine from an internal experience. I feel like mine's just flat. Like if I'm, I'm, I'm earning more than I was and saving more than I was and my financial security is not up. It's just flat. But I don't know that it's down. I feel like I just have a low level anxiety regardless of my yeah. actual situation. Well, next time I go to MDMA, I think this is going to be my goal is, I've mentioned this several times, I wish that my desires were tied to the outcomes in terms of experience, which is to what say- What makes you actually happy? Yes, yeah. that I was driven to spend time doing the things and the places with the people yeah, yeah. that made me feel good as opposed to- uh, my money went up or I yeah, yeah. got appreciated or whatever. Um, yeah, so that's going to be my my emotional goal for next time I do MDMA. What do you think you do, you don't do as frequently now as you would if you lived that way? So like I know what you would avoid. You'd avoid yeah, making yeah. money. Yeah, yeah. You'd probably, you're, you'd probably Seeking date less. attention, yeah, yeah. But what would you do more of? I mean, I mentioned I, uh, it would be walks. For sure. Do a lot of walks, though. Uh, yeah. Think but more. literally every nice day. I miss some. I miss some because I'm working. Or I miss mm -hmm. some because I'm I'm doing that. Um, what would I do more of? Definitely walks. Um, I don't know about this one. Maybe bro trips. Maybe. But I hate traveling. Mm -hmm. I know I hate traveling. Well, this is, some, <laughs> I, this is something I actually was curious about for your life. Because I, I don't know what your... Like you used to play guitar and take singing lessons. You used to play basketball. Mm -hmm. yeah, video games you have, but I'm curious if there's room for a, a Dungeons and Dragons or Maybe. a surfing. Maybe, well, we're going to do it this weekend. Or a something, you know what I mean? Something that you love just because it's fun. Maybe. We'll find out with Dungeons and Dragons this weekend. Um, I think Maybe it's starting a shitty band. I think it might be, and I've mentioned this. I like, I, I'm kind of... I'll continue to do it for a while. I suspect that apartment living has outlived its usefulness. I mm. think that a space and a yard and uh, that kind of stuff would be... Happiness hypothesis would tell you you're going to quickly adapt and it will not make Maybe. you happier day to day. Maybe. Well, if the park makes me happy, you know what I mean? Like having a place that I could go every day without a mask. So having a yard maybe. Yeah. But if you just took your same sized apartment to the yard... Oh, I don't mind the you size the of my same. apartment. I don't mind the size of my apartment. Yeah, I, they, mind, they, I mind the surroundings. The thing he said very quickly you adapt to is the size of your... Sure. Oh, what a great big house. I love it so much. And then by the end, you just... Yeah. doesn't matter. Sure. So I don't know. I don't know that. But I do know that it is uh, in many ways disconnected from... Oh, I was just curious if you had an inkling. I'm very curious to see what you would do more of or what new things you would do. You know, I suspect if I'm... It would be like breath work, meditation, uh that I would learn to enjoy more of the silent stillness mm -hmm. that everyone who has achieved any sort of spiritual peace is like, oh no, the best is when you're just alone still without yeah. without your thoughts. Man, like It's funny, everything has an investing in loss where you're not good at it, so it's not fun. Mm -hmm. True of basketball, true of meditating, true of surfing. But meditating for me, the investment is just 
even less being bad at meditating or new to meditating is even less fun than sucking at basketball, but still getting to play it with your friends or sucking at surfing, but still sitting in the ocean on a surfboard. Mm -hmm. That one for me, I, I always I've had month long practices where I, I'll hit it five times a week for months on end, but it always drops off because I just. For whatever reason, like that carrot has never motivated me to make it a life practice. Yeah, well, it's tough, I think. First time you can play a song on the guitars when you get three or four chords and you can get your way through and you can mm -hmm. do that in a couple of a week, two weeks, three weeks, and you can like get yourself there. I think meditation actually has often a steeper curve mm -hmm. where it's like the first time that you do something dope in meditation, I think takes a long time. Right. At least it takes me a long time. Yeah, it's yeah. way more than three weeks of 15 minutes a day. Uh, so breath work, though, is different. Breath work is Breath work is almost immediately rewarding. That's definitely one that I would do more yeah, of. I think you're referring to holotropic breath Holotropic breath people breathwork, don't know, yeah. check it out. Holotropic breath work. It is the closest you can get, in my experience, to a psychedelic experience without needing a, an external substance. Mm -hmm. It's pretty fascinating. You, you have a trip based yep. on getting yourself oxygen in a, in a, in a certain way. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating. Yes. Do you have anything else? Sure. I mean, so besides the big. Game oh, let me let me say you guys might have noticed those of you watching on YouTube that we're trying a new little split screen uh, look right here instead of the full camera back and forth. Oh, really? See each other the whole time. Yeah. So you've been on camera. You, ha you haven't been listening as much. So don't worry. But what I know, part of the reason we resisted this is because I make stupid, weird faces or yeah. like <laughs> when, when oh, I, I like know I'm not off camera. Why are we doing this? Because we just want to try it from a, uh, a streamlining perspective. If you like it. Or let or don't let us know because oh, we makes can less editing time. Yes, but what we can do is if we can get a switcher, like kind of what Jamie has at Joe yeah, Rogan yeah, is just a that. switcher. Well, <laughs> we know your vote. Uh, it actually might be interesting to watch the, the the real time reaction. Interesting. So for those of you in, let us know in the comments what you think of it, and we'll we'll go either with a switcher uh, in the future or we'll go with with this. Justin, if I yawn or pick my nose, I've, just zoom in on Charlie. All right, <laughs> that's well, no split screen. If I look good. So yeah, fight weekend. You want to talk about that? Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, Habib. I don't have much to say, man. I was uh, Conor I, got knocked out for yeah, the first time in his life. Yeah, he got he got beat up. The magic is gone. Well, uh, this is the what I so from a psych angle. This is what I wanted to talk about. I found an interesting quote from Dustin Poirier. That first fight was so long ago, but I felt that I felt his presence less, his aura less. I think the first time I was a deer in headlights. This time I was just fighting another man, another man who bleeds just like me, and I knew it. Yeah. And I do, it's easy to say after the fight, but I I'm I wonder if during that first fight, Connor was coming up. He was drawing huge crowds, the biggest crowds MMA had ever seen. Press conferences were getting crowds. Dustin's getting laughed at and mocked and ridiculed pre-fight by fans. And you know what I mean? I wonder if that was just a experience that he had never been prepared for psychologically. And this was a fight on Fight Island. I, I don't think that was I, I think Connor also I've, I've watched some of the stuff. I actually think Connor's attitude of kindness hurt him in this one because it gave Dustin. I don't necessarily think like Dustin is obviously a, a very good fighter, mm -hmm. but I don't think he's mentally as uh, unstoppable and high conviction as Connor. And when you, know, you watch Connor, like when you look into his eyes and he's looking at Jose Aldo, 
he's just making Jose react to him mm-hmm. the whole time. And he still had that bit of a dy- dynamic socially with Dustin, but he wasn't saying, I'm going to destroy you. This is it. You're over. He wasn't putting nightmares in his head at yeah, night yeah. and making him play through all the ways he was going to rip no, him in it's half. Interesting. You might not like it, but in the first fight, he's saying, you get wobbled in every fight. Yeah. Every fight you get wobbled. It's true. And I'm going to knock you out. I'm yeah. going to knock you out in the first round. And Dustin has to sit there and laugh and take it because he does get wobbled in every fight. Yeah. Like, last fight, you got... You almost got knocked out. You barely yeah. won. Yeah. I knocked, I started to watch my last fight and yeah. Dustin's got to sit there and take it. And this fight, he was really nice and kind and didn't yeah. say anything. And again, the, the head game is important, but of skill is even more important and not being able to correctly check leg kicks. Well, just, <laughs> just to be clear, this isn't two guys on the couch speculating. Yeah. Dustin Poirier is yeah. saying that the second fight, he didn't feel it. He did not feel mentally at a disadvantage and that he did feel like I'm at a mental disadvantage in the first fight. So mm-hmm. this isn't me as some random schmuck saying, that's what I think happened. Dustin is self-reporting that. And maybe he's making it up. Who knows? But that's the self-reported experience he had, was that he felt mentally even-keeled on this yeah, Connor is no longer larger than life, having lost to Nate, Floyd, Habib, and now Dustin. He's, he's mm-hmm. just not... It was the, That was the end of the movie 300, is where the, uh, the big victories, they make Xerxes bleed. And all of a sudden, you go, that's not a god. That's just a guy. Mm-hmm. And like I can make him bleed more. That was uh, Tony Robbins talks about this with I think his name is Roger Bannister, the first guy to break the the four minute mile. Mm-hmm. And is and it was like nobody could do it. It was just impossible. And then he did it and then everyone could do it. Yep. And I think this is a it's a common thing that you see in sports or in your group of friends. If somebody has a certain level of success in business or something, as soon as somebody uh, makes something imaginable, it becomes much more uh, achievable. And yep. I don't think Dustin could. Even like it wasn't running visualizations of him beating the hell out of Connor well, in his head. It. He, he couldn't see it. It was and then if seen you can see it and you believe this is who was, is that the Luke Rockhold? <laughs> you can see it and believe it. You, you can, can achieve, achieve it. it. Yeah. And he got flattened. I think it's like conceive, believe, <laughs> achieve. Um, it's cheesy, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I got another mindset thing with Habib for people that care about fighting. I thought it was interesting. Dana White wants him to come fight. Habib says, Dana, be honest. I'm so many levels above these guys. I already beat all these guys. I don't want to fight. That's fascinating to me because that's exactly who I want to fight. And I just think me and Khabib have completely different mindsets. Oh, you're saying you want to fight a guy that you're... Habib, I want to bring you back and I want to pay you more than you've ever made. And we're going to have the biggest fight ever. And I'm going to put you against a guy that you know you're going to crush. And then you go crush him in front of the world. And Habib's like, that is completely disinteresting to me. I only want to fight GSP, who I think will be a challenge because he's the best ever. And I want to test myself. You guys tell me that I'm going to have to fight Habib or I get to fight some guy that you'll beat some yeah. schmuck. Yeah. I want the second on the <laughs> nationally televised fight. I don't I don't want to go get ragdolled and have my ass kicked. And I just thought it was really interesting that he's people always say they're not money motivated. They're not, he's truly not money motivated. He wasn't bluffing when he said, I don't need to fight Connor. Mm-hmm. I don't need the money. This guy just wanted the challenge and to be the best and to get the belt. And he got it. And he's out. And I thought that was so interesting. Yeah. Jake Paul's the exact opposite. Jake Paul is trying to fight people he'll beat. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He's fighting Ben Askren. He's trying to fight Connor, but he knows he can get money. Is he trying to fight Connor or is he calling out Connor and fighting Ben Askren? I think he would love to fight Connor. I think he would get paid a, so much money. Maybe. So far, he's fought a 5'7 NBA player who had mm-hmm. never boxed in his life and a YouTuber. Guy he can claim is yeah. a UFC fighter, but ha- is a wrestler and he's taken away his wrestling in Ben Askren. You know what I mean? He seems to oh, be he's going to fight him now. Yeah. In April, he's fighting Ben Askren in April. He seems to be trying to pick fights he can win. Yeah. Habib is trying to fight 
the guy he thinks is the goat so that he can be the goat. And he's completely disinterested in going in and making nine figures to beat up some random guy he's already beat up. It's yeah. just a very interesting mindset. Yeah, he's got different priorities, clearly. It's interesting. Who would you want to fight? You're Habib. <laughs> if, I were, if I were him? Yeah. I'm different. I guess my priority is, and this is, uh, I guess, the prestige one. I want to be the unquestioned goat. Well, that's him. That's why he wants to fight GSB. Uh, I think that he could do that one of two ways. I think he could defend the belt three times and just be the unquestioned goat at this point. He could defend the 155 belt versus Connor, Gaethje, who, uh, oh, yeah, Charles it, Oliveira, and he's the goat. I think he only has to do it twice. Yeah, he's the goat. I if agree. he if he if he beats, I mean, who's left? Tony, who got beat. Charles Oliveira. That's the only one. If he beats Charles Oliveira, he's if Charles Oliveira beats Michael Chandler. Let's say. Mm-hmm. And that's for the belt. Yeah. And then Habib comes back and takes the belt back and again. smashes him. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be what I would do because I would want to be go down as the greatest of all time with no asterisks or questions or who didn't I fight. But yeah, that's just different priorities. Yeah, you want that fame, dude. I just want that money and to go out with a <laughs> un, unmarked face. Um, speaking of values, I was watching uh, Chamath, who was the guy that I mentioned earlier, tech mm-hmm. billionaire. And he was telling a story about his dad, which just reminded me of mine and he was saying that his dad does not care what he does because he doesn't have a phd in front of his name like his dad doesn't care that he has a billion dollars or that he like speaks at like these events because he doesn't get it because when his dad was growing up his the structure of what was important to him was a doctor or a lawyer oh interesting um and it's not to say that his dad doesn't love him or that mine doesn't support what we do or anything like that but I often remember, we've talked about this, like we got uh, an article written in the New York Times mm-hmm. and that was the day that people were like, oh, yeah, oh yeah. my God. Also, and I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nobody wrote any, like we'd had already 300 million views on YouTube, way more of an impact. Yeah. Our biz, like New York Times didn't help our business at all, no. did nothing for us. Uh, but that was the day of of prestige amongst Being people of, of, of like the older generation yep. recognizing that the New York Times is is more important than 300 million views on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure that I fall victim to this even nowadays where I look at like TikTok stars as being some a level beneath YouTube stars or something like that. I just thought it was funny that his dad, you know, he's got a billionaire son and partially wishes he was a doctor. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if only you had been a PhD, then you would be a success. Um, here's another YouTube thing. So this is... We've kind of we talked about with regards to truth, but I guess this is just an underline. Susan Wojcicki wrote a letter to creators. And one of the lines, I was just like, oh, man. Sorry, Uh, who is she? She's the CEO of YouTube. That's what I thought. In October, we expanded our COVID-19 medical, this is a quote, medical misinformation policy on YouTube to remove content about vaccines that contradicts consensus from health authorities, such Mm -hmm. as the Centers for Disease Control or the WHO. Uh, And I was... I guess blown away by by not blown away. Uh, that's insane. That the idea that if the WHO says something and there's a consensus in the WHO, which by the way, for political reasons, will not allow Taiwan to participate. And Taiwan allegedly, they say, was one of the first people to try to notify the WHO of the seriousness of the coronavirus that they overlooked and said wasn't a problem in January. I've got pulled another quote. It doesn't matter. They go. We have uh, preliminary investigations show this is not being transmitted person to person, which is, of course, not the case. Yeah, you know, there were Chinese the who, doctors. Who said that? Yes. It's like, these are the people that you're not allowed to contradict. Yeah. Uh, well, why are pretending that these are 
I mean, there's two, there's two giant holes. One, this is an intensely political body. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like these are people that are beholden to political interests. And even if they weren't, this isn't how science works. No, I was just gonna say this. So just <laughs> to be clear, this would mean YouTube shut down Galileo's YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. And Galileo was saying, I think we have a sun-centric solar system. <laughs> Helio, YouTube yeah. would go, so take that guy down because he's crazy. Because he's, he's contradicting consensus, consensus of what yeah. of what these two- uh, Germ theory was laughed at, just yeah. so that we're all clear. Germ theory itself was mocked as if these little invisible things could possibly be the cause of infection or disease, mm-hmm. which means that at some point, you would have removed germ theory from YouTube as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's it, everything. Just that, the idea that the idea it's so uh, for our protection, of course, that that you and then you think about this like, wait a second. It's just like the GameStop stock. I believe there is a time because we've talked about the important the, the importance of nuance and that there it's not free speech, good free speech, bad. It's there are there are occasions. But this to me is not an exploding nuclear weapon in mm-hmm. 10 minutes like this is a this is a year old virus that is incredibly low deadliness per it like uh, infection rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can't we can't have dissent. We can't you can't say anything that is not true, according to the WHO, because that's too dangerous. That to me is a terrifying misunderstanding of the severity of this and how science works. Right. It's it's unorthodox heathen ideas yeah. that get that propel it forward oh dude quantum physics i'm sure was absolutely mocked and ridiculed as an impossibility before it when it was first came out when again, it was one guy saying but the idea that it's too dangerous that that we couldn't possibly have pockets of people who have heard who have heard differently than the who yeah, yeah. uh is to, I, I really want to sit down with them and be, and be like what is what is going on here that that you think that you cannot broker any dissent because it's your job to keep everyone on the planet absolutely safe according to what the WHO and the CDC say mm. is safe. And where does this end? You know, like I'm, I'm sure there's a million other, uh, they're doing it with a lot of health things now, which is one of the weird ones because it's health is, is the field that we've talked about is always being revolutionized and we're always upending what we thought was true 30 to 50 years ago with mm-hmm. the food pyramid and what's good to eat and when to exercise and oh, dude, if fasting imagine, is good or bad. Imagine if you went on YouTube and you said, hey, I, I actually think that uh, having a diet mostly made up of bread and cereal is bad for you. Am I going against the who? Am I going against the CDC? Do I don't I know get, who made do the food pyramid, down? but that was a government that was a government issued thing. Was was the curious. bottom of it with grains and <laughs> Could you find a period of time in the last 20 years where saying having most of your calories come from bread and cereal would violate this YouTube policy? Here's what I'm back 15 years. Okay. I I'm damn certain of. I don't know if it's the CDC, but the, can you find out was it the Department of Health or something that issued the um the food pyramid? Well, I always feel bad making Justin Google things cuz computers also recording. Oh, sorry podcast. Justin, if you can't do it, don't sweat Maybe it. Maybe use your phone. <laughs> um in any event, the point is within the last 50, yes, we've been wrong. Yeah, our, yeah. our governmental agencies have been wrong in the past. Like Jesus, is the CIA next? Like if we start <laughs> we start contradicting what the Department of the Department of Defense says about about nuclear WMDs. weapons in in Iraq? Like the idea that these agencies oh, dude, that's are if, non-political and that this is how science works is fucking insane. Would this mindset mean if you made a video saying there were no WMDs in the Middle East uh, at the time of that war, would you have been 
I would I would anticipate that the defense that YouTube would well one YouTube wouldn't probably have supported that so they wouldn't have this policy because they're not interested in principle when it comes to the enforcement of these things but my <laughs> you saying they selectively enforce <laughs> their rules my my suspicion is that they would say oh no that's a political statement which you're allowed to have different opinions. and this is a scientific one mm. and the the idea that there is a clean division between science and politics like there were there were scientific claims about the existence of WMDs. We've had people inspect and we know that they're there and we can't tell you. And uh, I don't know, just the, the idea that consensus equals truth, the idea that we need you to protect us. To me, those are the questions, the ideas that need to be reevaluated mm -hmm. by YouTube. And I still would leave the door open in occasions where like of the exploding nuclear bomb where it's like, no, look, control what people can see. But this isn't it. <laughs> we're so far into this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the idea that you need to that you need to really lock down the home stretch is uh, poorly thought out, mm -hmm. in in my opinion. So I, I agree. Yeah, I don't know what to say other than we welcome our new tech overlords. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I was I was watching clips of Batman, and then Dark Knight came up, and again with truth, it's like this message is horrible. The, what they end with in Dark Knight, and I don't know if they if they rectify in, in Dark Knight Rises, but it's uh, people deserve to have their faith rewarded. Sometimes the truth isn't enough. So at the end, he spoilers everybody. Harvey Dent turns out to be a bad guy, yeah. and they couldn't tell everybody that Harvey Dent was a human who was corrupted and did bad shit. No, God forbid. We need to have this lie hero beacon. <laughs> And Batman, who actually has helped you, needs to go away. This idea that people need to be protected from reality because they're too weak and soft. I I don't know if that was entirely destroyed or disrupted in Dark Knight Rises or if it was just left at you're supposed like when people have I was trust really confused in things. by that ending. He's not the hero we need, but he's the one we deserve. He's, he's not nonsense. the one we deserve, but he's the one we need. I'm I like, love what? Christopher What's Nolan, happening? but I've been watching some of his stuff and I'm like, these are ideas that haven't really been deeply yeah, checked yeah. out yeah. uh no i was just watching that. i was like, oh man this is this is fucking awful yeah. <laughs> like, like my god you think no, the people, the you think the people of gotham are children yeah. <laughs> that they can't deal that their district attorney w killed some people yeah. like like god forbid and and that the entire city will spiral into disrepair if we don't have this shiny beacon this myth of harvey dent yeah again for your protection you can't have the truth is just this theme that i'm seeing uh made you know two two or three people decide that you can't handle the truth sure for your own benefit for your own safety so well yeah it's bad batman again in 1984 it's funny because they have this whole authoritarian government and the the person telling the story, massive spoilers here, I guess, gets taken in by the government. He's being tortured. At one point, he gets, gets to the point where they're like, we know when you lie, and when you lie, we will uh, punish you. And I want you to tell me, why do we do all this? Why do we do all this authoritarian stuff? And he goes, I know the answer. I know what he wants to hear. I'll just tell him what he wants to hear. You do it for our own good. You do it to protect us. And they, they electrocute him. They punish him. He goes, that's <laughs> stupid. There's no reason that you... Uh, could possibly believe that we do it for power. Yeah, we do. We we accrue power for power. We don't honestly think that this helps people to keep them like this. And I do often wonder how often is it something that people think is for your own good, and how often are they they real they know that that's not the case. I think that people are like mostly like me and the people around me. 
And I think I can get insight into Susan Wojcicki by talking to people around me. Mm -hmm. And what I see is that most people think that they're doing the right thing, but have a very evolved capacity for self-deception. Yeah. Like amazing <laughs> capacity for it to work out that what the government is going to make you do and what your employees are pressuring to do is also the thing that is the right thing to do and that you want to do. So I was actually thinking about this because I see it everywhere in the world. And it seems that you may or I may need to specifically investigate claims that are threatening to your identity and survival in order to counterbalance the natural tendency of your brain to lie to you yeah, about yeah. those sorts of things. So you have to like put special effort into is my business business <laughs> is my business ethical? Yeah. Um, I wrote down a handful of them. Is my relationship good for me? Is my relationship good for me? Um, gosh, I, I deleted some of these, but you can just think through some of the things that would kill you. I mean, you can even do the natalist thing. Like, am I, should I give all of my money to people that have less than me until I have less than everybody? Like, is it at all possible that there should be an accumulation of wealth in the hands of someone to the disparity that we know exists in the world? Like, do I have to give it all away? Not just some, all. Um, you know, do I need to? I don't is even it, put it past you, dude. I wouldn't be shocked if I just woke up one day and you're like, I give all my money away. I'm going to have a lot of psychedelics right with after, me. Yeah, on exactly. That day. exactly. <laughs> uh, you're going to go Connor Murphy. You're like, dude, I did MDMA therapy and I came home and I was still a little high, but I gave every cent that I have. Mm -hmm. And I well, have lunch money. I'll tell you, there's. I'm reading this book by, what is it? Sri Ramana. He's a Maharshi. He is a, an Indian mystic. I forget exactly when, but he at age 16 had one of those epiphany things and then he went to a mountain and never left and just lived on the mountain and the only possessions he had were like a walking stick a loincloth and a bowl everything else was public how did he eat? uh like well what happened was he would like he would go grab food from like berries and forage and he like lived in a monastery Wait, 16, if dude if you took me at 16 i wouldn't know enough to forage he went to i believe it would, he went to an ashram at first but he quickly became uh, the person to go see there. And so dignitaries would go visit him as well as poor people. And the legend or the, the story, it's not a legend, it was only decades ago, is that he treated everybody exactly equal. Like did not matter who you were. Like you, he uh, would cook food for just about everybody who came there and like do, you know, didn't matter if you were president or if you were, if you were some poor person. Mm. Um, and seemed very happy <laughs> with all of it. Like with his loincloth and his thing is just, he was silent most of the time, which is interesting because what I have of him is a book. And he, I think the most fascinating thing about the book is in the introduction, the author tells you he's going to contradict himself nonstop. And I'm going to try to explain why. The reason is because he even said, the deepest truths that I can give you are the ones that I say in silence. So as soon as I open my mouth, I'm a level away mm -hmm. from my most important teachings for anybody. Interesting. But he said, and he would kind of go in a cascading order of like, most true to least true. So you come to him, you're like, how do I be happy? He's like, you are happy. Just realize it. And you would ask him again, he'd be like, there is nothing in the way of happiness. And you ask him six times, he's like, you need to meditate and, <laughs> and do this. But right, the right. truest answer is like, look, if you, if you force me to give you relationship advice, eventually at the end of this, I'm going to tell you what to do about your boyfriend or girlfriend. Yeah. But I'm going to give you the truest answer, which is you're living in the matrix and your girlfriend isn't real. <laughs> so, right, right, right. so don't sweat it. It's, you're all, um, this is a simulation. It's exactly. All zeros and, ones. and even before that, I'm not going to answer you. I'm just going to look at you 
because what he said is that some people like the the fastest students would get it immediately you know from the look or from the the first statement and he's like i didn't I, it, the impression that you get is he didn't he didn't want to give you the diluted truth so he would just have to have these contradicting cascading levels of truth to it so eventually he's like do nothing like the first thing he'll tell you is do nothing yeah yeah and then eventually he's like no you need to meditate three times a day <laughs> you know all these things that you have to do sorry i'm just thinking what's interesting about that do you think because he had the epiphany and then went to the mountain mm -hmm. and the first thought i had was i wonder if i'll just set a certain amount of you know set a certain number aside when i make this much money just go to the mountain. And I was like, okay, well, I can't do that. But if I break up with my girlfriend, <laughs> then just, I can go. Then I'll go. And then I went through all this thing of like, oh, what can I do? And then I was thinking about our friend who tried this for a week, I think it was. He went, he just went to a cabin alone with his mm -hmm. dog. Yeah. And I don't even remember. I think he might have said no internet was allowed. I think he brought a Kindle and like a journal, dog, maybe. a journal, and food. And if he needed something, he would walk to town. Mm -hmm. You know, he wouldn't postmates or, or order it. But I don't know that he came out of it enlightened necessarily. He certainly didn't then become this guru. Because you're saying this guru went to an ashram and then went to oh, a no, he, he like became enlightened. This, and this, then well, went, this is what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. I was like, do I try to replicate this? Because I think it's interesting. Do I go, okay, I'm going to spend 90 days alone in a cabin with my dog. Mm -hmm. And then I came to the same conclusion you just said, which was that's not what this guy did. Well, this it's also had his. Yeah. This kind of reminds me of Eckhart Tolle. It reminds me of a lot of these people. They have this moment <laughs> yeah. and then everything changes. And then people try to mimic their actions after they've crossed over. Yeah. 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 And it's everything he says is is paradoxical and frustrating because it's all of the questions like, how do I get it's like you're there. The only thing you need to do is let go of the idea that you're not enlightened. You are enlightened. Mm. It's all. And it's just like, well, but I'm not. I don't I've feel, often thought that. So I don't I'm willing feel to that. enlightened. He's like the the not feeling enlightened is the illusion. Like, where is the and it's 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 to me, I, I can sense that there is value in there, but it is difficult to apply, if mm. not impossible, purposefully impossible to right. apply because there's nothing to apply. Uh, and so I go, the only doing that I know that has got me closer and I hate to be a uh, like a broken record. Everyone guess what he's going to say next. Holotropic breathing and psychedelics are the only doings that I that I sense like make large so if I strides told you, towards it. I told you, hey man, just so you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to take three months off. Sorry, not going to do any work. I'm going to go to a mountain, just me and the dog. Mm -hmm. You think that's good for me, bad for me, have no judgment about it. I guess it's the place that you do it from is almost more important. Just like, after this conversation, I just go, I want to be like that guy. Then... Then I would go, wow, the more interesting thing is that something woke up inside you that was like, that sounds hmm. ideal or like appealing to me. So Not no judgment on that. Positive, negative, good for Ben, bad for Ben. No. How would I know? I don't, I don't know. Oh, I'm just curious. No, no, no. I wouldn't. I would actually, if, if you said that, I'd be like, holy shit, Ben made massive strides in a very short period <laughs> of time. <laughs> I am blown away by how quickly. Yeah, I would. I'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> like something, something tremendous happened inside of him because I don't see you doing that anytime soon. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it would be good or not. Well, then I guess this is the difficulty with all the spiritual stuff is that it's beyond like people ask him moral questions, good and bad. And I'm very interested in good and bad. And he is, there is only what is real. Hmm. There is no like, is it real? Then it is good. Does you know he, what I mean? Does like, he date? 
Does he eat Does he date? What does he do? <laughs> does he use apps? Does he yeah, seriously. Apps? Does he date? Does he eat meat? I it, what does he do? Don't know. I he think in a cave alone being a vegan. Well, then this is the thing. And then you can look at his behavior and be like, "Oh, then I should emulate his behavior no, because I'm just he curious. So I don't know he what he, he doesn't eats. morally judge good I or bad. don't know. I would susp- I mean, I think he was so I think he was an Indian culture which I uh, presume like there were no cows being that he was eating. I think probably mostly vegetarian. I mean, he was described as <laughs> he had a loincloth and a walking stick, <laughs> you know. Like I don't think he was able to hunt do much. <laughs> yeah, but maybe he did. Um maybe he curious. did eat meat. Uh I think he spent most of his days and most of his time, many years. It was only in his later life that he even really started talking. Um, but he spent it in silence from mm. like 16 on and Me. described the experience as blissful, just mm. like euphoric bliss and good news for you. You're blissful and you're blissful too. And people are like, I'm not blissful. He's like, no, you really are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is like, hey man, maybe this works for you, but you're just completely, <laughs> you have no idea how to uh, teach. But pe- he was one of those people that had an aura mm. around him, which is often what people say. It's like when you got near him, you felt closer to that to that state hmm. so yeah i'm reading his book which is um how's the book dense i get the sense that as i get into it it's going to become more comprehensible because it's going to be at the level that i am at and it even starts with this isn't the truth the silence was the truth so here are here are increasingly diluted versions of it and i'm like <laughs> well can't take this can't take this <laughs> oh i love it yeah i love it no, it's hard. Keep us updated on that. I'll let you know. Um, what else do I have? No, I just had a quote from Naval, which is we can we can do a different time because it doesn't really tie in here. I should say thank you guys. Thank you to all of our patrons. Uh, this is, I didn't think we were, we were like, we're going to answer questions forever. There's like 10 of you, but there's, I think 430 patrons right now, yeah. which is awesome. Yeah. And so you guys, uh, good. We I mentioned this, but I'll, this is the boring part of the podcast where I tell you, we appreciate you. And we are going to be doing a couple of things with the extra AdSense plus Patreon money. So we're going to be doing our D&D one shot mm. this weekend. And I don't know that we'll ever release it. It's really to figure out the cameras and that kind of stuff. But our goal is to have these be uh, things that we do that are hopefully entertaining to watch, but potentially with interesting casts of characters. So maybe some of the past guests that we've had, we can get to come on and oh, do yeah, dude, I want to have Vosh and Coleman Hughes come on. <laughs> Me, you, Vosh and Coleman Hughes do a little uh, D&D one-shot. Yes, but we need to learn the game. We need to try out the Dungeon Master. We need to get all of the cameras and stuff set up. Uh, but so that's going to be what we are doing this weekend, potentially releasing it if we have the footage and if it's if we break it, which is highly likely, we won't be releasing it. But that's this weekend and we'll get it going soon. So thank you. You guys make it possible. Uh, first question is, how would you go about tackling someone saying something overtly racist in a jokey way where you can't necessarily escape the situation? I live in the UK and when I was in secondary school, some of my friends used to call me Packy a lot. At the time, I didn't have the confidence to say I didn't like it. And due to more than just that reason, I ended up changing friend groups at age 16. Fast forward to now, I'm 22. And when I met a, met a couple of them a year ago through some mutual friends, they hadn't changed at all. It was clear that I was uncomfortable and I even pulled one of them aside at one point to softly tell them that I didn't like being called a Paki, to which he responded, it's just a joke, and continued saying it. While my mutual friends don't approve and will softly call it out, they won't do anything more than that, uh, like ask them to leave. And it feels shit to have my friends, or to have to leave my friends gathering because of the behavior of a couple of people. I have decided that given how rarely they're invited to gatherings, I wouldn't show when they're present and I've told my friend who invites them that. The whole thing has me thinking about my time in school too and how I would navigate things if I went back. 
one of these boys that I wasn't friends with would actively seek out racist things to say to try and provoke people into throwing a punch so he could justify a fight. A lot of the teachers in the school wouldn't take racism seriously either, and it was often a case of one person's word against the other. The furthest I got in terms of reflecting on the experience was just being friends with a completely different group. But I'm curious, what would you guys do in my situation at the gathering last year? What would you guys do if you were me at school? And what would you do if you existed in a power structure and where the discriminate in a, in a power structure where the discrimination isn't taken seriously? Hmm. And for context, I couldn't change schools. Yeah, so I, I want to be careful not to answer a question that I don't have experience with because I'm trying to think. I got called a racial slur once in school. I started a fight in the library and almost got expelled. So, <laughs> but I was 12. Yeah, uh, and I also don't understand. Like Packy is literally the first time I've ever. Yeah, yeah heard I that. actually don't. So I have no idea if I don't know your ethnicity based on this. I imagine Pakistani, probably Middle Eastern. Yeah, Middle Eastern? I think it's a slur like in Canada and like Europe. Got it. Not here. What's interesting is that, and again, I'm not uh, taking anything away. It's like not knowing if like that could be a. When I hear that word, I know nothing about it. Yeah, it's yeah. just fascinating the uh, language, you know. But I'm always <laughs> so okay. I guess your your point is. There's a way to interpret that, so it's not offensive. That's not my point. Let's, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that that's my that's my point. Obviously, the cultural context matters, and right. what what is happening is it sounds like you, that group of people and you are disagreeing about what that means. Like if some if I if I went out and somebody called me, you know, if I'm on the basketball court and somebody says, "Man, that white boy can shoot," and I go, "Oh, that's offensive to me because like I'm not a first off, I'm not a boy, I'm a man, and like color of my skin is more." beige than white you know like that's upsetting don't say that and they go no no no, it's not i could imagine that same sort of thing and i'm not saying mm. that is what is occurring here but what i think should be sufficient in that example that i just gave and yours is a good faith i don't like that and then hey man it's just a joke like i get that you mean it jokingly but could you not do that <laughs> like whether or without even resorting to it's racist it's not racist two people can work out what terms to mm -hmm. call each other by if they respect one another mm -hmm. um and so uh i mean it happened with with uh with me when we were little like the most common word that we used when something was not good was gay and it like was disconnected from male male on male sex or female on female sex and then our friend came out as gay and we were calling stuff gay and he said can you not do that anymore and to me i didn't mean it like that is literally homosexual but mm -hmm. i went oh you have a different this means something to you that it doesn't it's upsetting to you okay mm -hmm. you're my friend i'll change it so i guess the one thing that i feel very safe in uh advising you to do is like you don't need to spend time with anyone like you found out that doesn't respect you enough to use the terms words whatever that you find uh important and, and to refrain from the ones that that you don't uh enjoy being called by so what if the truth of the situation <laughs> is that there's this new group of friends who do respect him and so they don't say anything that is offensive mm -hmm. but there's the old group of friends that does doesn't respect him enough to stop mm -hmm. for whatever reason they go listen if this upsets you i don't care right and now these two groups have merged apparently so what do you do when they're, you know, they're all together. Let's say there's eight people for the new group. They would never say it for the old group. You know, they're going to say it because when you say, hey, that feels disrespectful to me. They just don't care. They just go, lol, get over it. So now what do you do when you get invited to that eight person gathering? I mean, I'm trying to. So I'm, I'm truly because I'm not I'm not Middle Eastern. I'm, I'm going to try to imagine it from Sorry, South South Asian, South Asian. Yeah, got it. Which I imagine is 
Pakistan? I don't know. Yeah, Pakistan um, or Indian. Or- uh, I'll try to imagine as myself. I go, they call me whitey. They say that it means uh, it's just a joke and they all call each other names. But you hate it. And I hate it. It's, it's tough for me to imagine is the truth. Um, even if they call, like called me cracker, I don't know. Like I can't, it's tough for me to put myself personally in that, in that position. I don't, I can't think of a word for me that, that is one that I would be called that would be upsetting like that. So I don't, do you have, I mean, maybe you, it's yeah, easier if someone, for you. If someone's just called me a stupid Jew. Yeah. Just call me a stupid Jew. Yeah. But stupid is a word that is charged. If they called you Jewy, maybe. Just call me a kike. Okay. Well, so, so sure. Sure. Seems hateful. Sure. So take uh, that. Yeah. It would piss me off. Uh-huh. It would definitely piss me off. Okay. So how would you handle it? Uh, well, I just did MDMA therapy. I'm really in touch with my anger. So, okay. <laughs> Fist fighting's not an option. What would I do? And there's eight people there. It's I also mean, my first reaction is I would cheat, man. I would cheat. I would use my size. Yeah. I wouldn't hit him, but I just get close up. Dude, I'm going to tell you one. That really pisses me off. Like, you can't imagine how much that fucking pisses me off. And I would mm-hmm. really appreciate it if you would cut it out. Mm-hmm. And I would say it three inches from their face and I would just be bigger than them. And it's cheating. It's totally cheating. Mm-hmm. But they, I think they would stop because I would make the... I'd make them physically uncomfortable mm-hmm. because they were making me upset and offended with their language. You know, that's, yeah, yeah. that's probably what I actually do. If I were actually really, really pissed off about it, I would pull them aside. But I just do it in a way that only works. Like, what would I do, let's say, if they were 6'7"? Let's say they're 6'7", 250. So there's four people. They're 6'7", 250, and they keep calling me a kike. I think I still pull them aside and I let my emotions show. What did this, did this, when they, when they pulled them aside, said, did it sound said, like it was deferral? Or did, like, did they say, because I can imagine being like, hey man, I just want you to know that's really upsetting to me and I'd appreciate it if you stopped. And mm-hmm. they go, no, it's just a joke. And you go, listen, I know that you think that, but like, just, you know, I'm really upset. I would appreciate you stopping. Yeah, yeah. Versus like, hey man, I want you to know that really, I hate it. Like, I absolutely hate it. You cannot imagine how much I hate it. I am asking you as nicely as I can, Please stop yeah. because it is ruining this for me in a one-on-one setting. I imagine that. And they go, hey, man, it's a, yeah. So what you're going to do is. Not, hey, hey. Yeah. I'm telling you, I don't find it funny and I am begging you to stop. Mm-hmm. And you're doing it in a one-on-one. You're not doing it publicly. So what you're but saying you're, is that I'm you're going to, to you're going to win the emotional conviction. I'm going to show how I feel. I'm not yeah, going to yeah. try to downplay how I'm feeling in the name of looking calm I'm mm-hmm. sure, yeah you said it perfectly i'm gonna try to win the emotional conviction your frame is, is not a, a big deal and you're My gonna win that is, frame it's yeah. a big deal and i'm gonna steamroll your frame yeah and then you can go back to it once you're in a group but in that moment you're gonna, I'm gonna steam, the frame. even if i yeah. have to look up at you even if you're 250 pounds i'm gonna cut you off i'm gonna speak with a ton of conviction yeah i am not gonna let you walk away thinking that i think it's okay and we're gonna have a battle of frames about if it's appropriate or not and in that moment you'll win i'm gonna just yeah. show how I'm feeling. And then they will have to insult you, d- disrespect you, yeah, and they will not be able imagine, to hide behind it's playful or it's friendly. Because I can imagine just going, hey man, just so you know. Like, you can, and you can also be like, dude, deal. if you fucking hate me, keep using that word. Like, if you respect me at all. Or I wouldn't even say that. Stop. I would just steamroll yeah. with my. Uh-huh. But what I'm saying is, uh, I can imagine saying it in a way that does get completely disregarded. Yeah, like, yeah, hey yeah. man, just listen, I'm not trying to make waves. Oh, no, man, it's a joke. I'm yeah, not yeah. trying to make waves, but it, it's just, you know, it's really upsetting. Yeah. No, no, it's a joke. It's a joke. Listen, I, 
I know you feel it's a joke. Mm-hmm. Like I, to- I get it. I totally get it. But just for me, but you're not going to you get. Could, you're not going to give them any me, breathing room. If you could yeah. for me, could you please? You know, and then they're gonna. So you can be like, yeah, fuck this guy. He's not. Who mm-hmm. cares? You know what I mean? But I think there's a way to come at them, even if they're bigger than me, even if there's no threat of violence, just the strength of emotion. I think people don't don't uh, often see that, that vulnerability, that upsetness, that mm-hmm. genuineness, that severity, you know? So I think maybe there's a way to just let that come through. And mm-hmm. to your point, just win the win the conviction battle. Yeah. But that's probably what I would try to do. Mm-hmm. And I do it one on one. Maybe with each of them. <laughs> I don't know. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but that's the that's because I can imagine it. I can imagine being really uh, annoyed and upset by it. And I think you have to address it. You know what I mean? I don't think there's some clever way to like, oh, maybe if you insult their race, then they'll mm-hmm. see that it hurts for them. And so like, I don't know. I think that's overthinking it. Yeah. Uh, do you think it's possible to have close long-term friendships between straight men and women? Possible? Well, possible, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally possible. Uh, likely at an advanced age, no. Um, be, I don't see it often. Yeah, yeah it's, it's far less likely, uh, especially. Now, when is it most likely? When they've been friends for a long time. Um, but, you know, there's a handful of comedians have made this joke, but it's like she calls you up at midnight and says hey i'm really horny come over what does he like this is what does he say you know or uh you know after three drinks and you're both single what what tends to happen uh is it possible 100 mm-hmm. and I, I would never say that it's uh certainly not the case but yeah i don't it's just not as frequent i would say is there a follow-up or it's literally just, is it possible no, short question okay yes Yes, totally possible. Totally, totally, totally. All right, that's all I have. Okay. All right, there we go. Thanks, everybody. We're going to hop into patron questions. And if there's any good one, I guess we could throw them into yep. the cast. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. All right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.